0: Welcome to Cleveland Clinic Cardiac Consult, brought to you by the Seidel and Arnold Miller Family Heart, Vascular, and Thoracic Institute at Cleveland Clinic. Hi, my name is Leslie Cho. I'm the Section Head for Preventive Cardiology and Cardiac Rehabilitation and the Director of Women's Cardiovascular Center at Cleveland Clinic, Main Campus. And thank you for joining me today for discussion about primary prevention uh, for women for cardiovascular disease. This is an updated uh, statement on the latest on how to reduce um, cardiovascular risk in women. And unlike the 2011 guidelines, which suggested um, exercise and and, um, diet, as well as sort of the traditional risk factor, this guideline brings together really unique risk factors that pertain to women. So, let's talk about some of those. Um, The number one thing is the pregnancy-related adverse events. So, women who've had gestational diabetes or preeclampsia or even um, premature labor or premature menopause, they're at an increased risk for cardiovascular disease. And, and the, those factors we rarely think about, but they end up having tremendous impact on women's development for cardiovascular disease later on in life, particularly preeclampsia and gestational diabetes. The other very important um, risk factor for women is autoimmune disease. Autoimmune disease, as you know, affects women Um, more than men. Uh, Eighty percent of patients with autoimmune disease are women. If you have autoimmune disease, you have three- to five-fold increased risk for developing cardiovascular disease, and obviously they have an increased adverse cardiovascular events. The other unique risk factor for women are... um, Menopause, premature menopause, whether that's surgical or chemical or whether it's natural, having menopause before the age of, some say, 40, some say 45, greatly increases your risk for developing heart disease. If you have adverse pregnancy-related events or have autoimmune disease or have premature menopause, the important thing is to really concentrate on risk factor modification, so controlling their blood pressure, uh, diabetes, um, ha- maintaining good weight, controlling their lipids, and obviously not smoking. That is, becomes a very critical issue. All our patients at the Cleveland Clinic who have autoimmune disease or who had adverse pregnancy-related outcomes are referred to prevention, not to start on medicine, but to do a good lifestyle and dietary modification to discuss how to prevent developing heart disease or developing risk factors um, like hypertension or diabetes. So, they get seen by the nutritionists. They are um, educated and exercised to really prevent their um, future risk. The other important aspect of the new statement is... Um, about the traditional risk factors like hypertension, diabetes and hyperlipidemia. It also addresses aspirin use and um, statin use um, and AFib risk in women. But let's just talk about the traditional risk factor. So hypertension, we all know that's a great risk factor. It increases with age. But hypertension for women is an extremely interesting phenomenon because women are really sensitive to obesity as a risk factor for increase in blood pressure as well as diet. So that becomes a critical um, risk factor uh, modification, diet and exercise. And there are some blood pressure medicines that particularly might be beneficial to women. For example, thiazide diuretics are good for patients with osteoporosis or osteopenia to prevent future bone loss. Diabetes, which is another very important risk factor for women, is also very interesting. Type 2 diabetes is much more common in younger patients than women. Uh, in women. So if you look at type 2 diabetes throughout their age span, women get it earlier, whereas men get it during the Middle Ages. Um, In the later on in life, both men and women have about the same effect. So when women get it, they get it when they were younger, which means they have diabetes for a much longer period of time, which is concerning because, as you know, diabetes reduces the um, 10-year age gap between men and women. So women end up having heart disease at the same age as men. The other bad thing about diabetes and women is that women who are diabetic have higher risk of heart failure. They have higher risk of cardiovascular disease and they have higher risk of all cause mortality compared to their male diabetic counterpart. So it's really critical that we control women with diabetes, um, their risk factors and controlling their glycemic, um, uh, control. The, the, interesting and sad thing is is that even in 2020, um, we continue to under-diagnose and under-treat our diabetic women. And so knowing that they have it longer and they have increased adverse risk from diabetes, it's critical that we um, really control the risk factors along with patients and educate our patients on the important... um, On the importance of controlling diabetes. And then finally, hyperlipidemia. Hyperlipidemia um, uh, is, you know, very common in women, but unfortunately, women are, again, undertreated. Um, The treatment is pretty similar between men and women, except women tend to have more side effects. They end up having more side effects to statin therapy, um, which may require you know, novel dosing or um, perhaps non-statin um, treatment therapy. But, but the effect, the benefit of statin and LDL reduction is, is uh, not unique to men. It's Both genders benefit greatly from statin reduction. The important thing to note is that if women have hyperlipidemia and they want to get pregnant, we recommend that they stop their statins. Two months prior to thinking about pregnancy. And then uh, obviously not being on statin during pregnancy and then starting um, and then having a discussion about when to restart statin therapy. And then lastly, the statement talks about aspirin. In the Women's Health Initiative, it still talks about um, women's health initiative, which was many years ago, the women that did get benefit from low-dose aspirin were age greater than 65, and it did reduce the risk of stroke. Um, in the light of all the bleeding risk that has come out with aspirin therapy, this, the statement talks about who might benefit the most, and the people who benefit the most from low-dose aspirin therapy are people who have um, uncontrolled risk factors. Um, so people whose blood pressure and cholesterol and diabetes is not well controlled. Those people um, benefit greatly. And then, obviously, you have to weigh the, the bleeding risk compared to the uh, benefit of the ischemic risk. And then, truly, lastly, there is absolutely, again, no benefit to hormone replacement therapy. And oftentimes, we've heard that perhaps you, if you start hormone replacement therapy right after um, menopause that you may achieve benefit. But in the 2017 large meta-analysis, there was really no benefit um, in terms of cardiovascular disease uh, reduction, uh, but there was an increase in uh, venous thromboembolism. So if you are going to do hormone replacement therapy, even for symptom on s- uh, symptom relief, it's important to assess women for their venous thromboembolism risk. So with that, um, I think that's a summary of of the guideline, and we look forward to seeing you again on this podcast. Thank you. Thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed the podcast. We welcome your comments and feedback. Please contact us at heart at ccf.org. Like what you heard? Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts or listen at clevelandclinic.org slash loveyourheartpodcast.